0: I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. In any discipline, literature, medicine, politics, defining words correctly matters. Accepting agreed-upon definitions of words and concepts matters. If we use words incorrectly, if we don't understand the nature of the topic that we are addressing, we're bound to go wrong. And no less so for religion. And two of the concepts we struggle with mightily, I think, are the nature of God and the nature of idolatry, basic stuff. If we were to ask most Christians to define God, they would most likely say, God is love. And if you shook me awake at 3 a.m. and shone a light in my eyes and said, quick, define God, surely I too would say love. Love and we wouldn't be wrong. There's much scripture to support that definition of God, but in the clear light of morning and after thinking about it for the past few days, I think a better answer is that the defining characteristic of God is mercy. Yes, God loves us, but perhaps even more important, God is merciful. Now we might not love that definition as it implies that we are in need of mercy and we all know that you only receive mercy if you are either powerless or you have done something wrong or both. The other word we get wrong is idolatry. When we hear that rather old fashioned word, we think of golden calves and ancient Israelites in the desert gone astray. But idolatry is at the root of the human experience, springing up at the very beginning, way, way back in the garden when we decided that we ought to be like God, ought to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that we could handle such knowledge and power that we were entirely capable of making our own decisions and running our own lives. Thank you very much. So idolatry is putting ourselves, our desires, our decisions God, in place of God, which of course is why we ought to be thankful that God's nature is mercy before and over all else. Getting the terms right matters. It matters in a world beset by idolatry of all kinds, and today I can't help but think about the idols we've made out of violence and guns, nationalism, racist ideologies, how we've made idols out of our self-reliance, believing that we can and must defend ourselves and our rights, placing all of that ahead of any claim upon us to follow God's command to love our neighbor, love our enemies, to lose our lives to save them, to follow a crucified Lord willing to pour himself out on the cross, rather than retaliate. It matters in a world where we humans continue to harm one another, continue to devastate the earth because we would rather continue our lives as they are, rather than give up any of our privileges or our conveniences. Surely, we need not just love, but mercy. And getting these terms right, idolatry, mercy, well, that matters to the prophet Hosea, and it matters to Jesus in the readings today. For in both, we see people preferring their idols to the loving, tender-hearted God who brought them out of Egypt. Israel has turned from God again in order to follow other gods, and that idolatry believing that they don't need the God who created all in whom they live and move and have their being, well, that idolatry leads to other sins of self-reliance, violence and murder, lying and theft. The people have gone their own way, believing that being in charge of their own lives makes more sense than trusting in God. Then in Luke, in the midst of Jesus' teaching about how to be a faithful disciple as he makes his way to Jerusalem for the salvation of all, we find a man who thinks that the most important thing right then is his family's inheritance squabble, and he demands that Jesus tell his brother how to divide up the money. In response, Jesus tells a parable about a rich farmer so enamored by his wealth that all he can do is think about how to store up the excess so he can use it all for himself. The fault is not the wealth. The fault is the idolatry, idolatry of himself and of his money. The rich man says I and my over and over again, even talking to himself. I will say to my soul soul you have ample goods laid up for many years. Never does the man give credit to the fertile land the hard working farm hands nor to God from whom it all comes. By focusing totally on his own efforts, certain that he has created his own fate, he has missed out on the fact that his very life is in the hands of God. For tonight he will die, and none of that wealth will be any good to him at all. Better that he had been rich towards God, as Jesus says. Instead, the rich man is now just a dead fool. When anything comes between us and God, our things, our anxiety, our self-reliance, when anything takes the place of our utter reliance on and love of God, our lives go very wrong. By following ourselves, we go astray. In the face of such idolatry, Israel's, the rich farmer who is a fool, the person more focused on family's inheritance than on following Jesus, in the face of all idolatry, valorizing amendments and borders over the sanctity of human life, the idolatry of worshiping an economy that ravages. idolizing myself and my decisions and my rights while ignoring the poor and the oppressed, in the face of this and in the face of his beloved gone so astray, become so violent and selfish, does God not have the right to be angry? Does God not have reason to warn of justice vexed at our running away over and over again, hell-bent on our own destruction. For most of the book of the prophet Hosea, God rages and threatens, warning of all that will happen to a people gone so wrong. Hosea is perhaps one of the most upsetting books of the Bible because God is unrelenting in his anger and condemnation. And we modern-day readers Certain that we are wiser, more compassionate than that nasty old God of the Old Testament. We prefer to skip such stuff. We try to soften it, explain it. But what if we just acknowledged that God has cause to be angry? And if we can allow that thought, if we can admit that we like sheep have gone astray, we have all turned to our own way. If we can admit that, as the confession says in the 1928 prayer book, we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done and we have done those things which we ought not to have done and there is no health in us. If we face all that, then, well, God's mercy becomes irresistible. It is a bomb. A cool drink of water for parched tongues. And that is what we get in Hosea today. After lamenting and raging against the infidelity and idolatry of God's people, God remembers the love and care God has shown to Israel throughout the ages. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, took them up in my arms. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I bent down to them and fed them. Like a loving parent, God has hovered, is hovering over all, loving us, caring for us, distraught, anguished as we turn away and towards what God knows will only cause us misery and harm. And then... After remembering all of this love and care, God rends God's own heart. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger, for I am God and no mortal, and I will not come in wrath. A just God, wrecked by anger and worry at our injustices, God wrestles internally, anguished at what to do, and then beautifully, graciously, God remembers God's own nature, mercy. This is not a sweet hallmark moment For God's nature is to be just as it is also to be merciful. God wrestles with that conflict, must battle within God's self until God lets out a roar like a lion, a roar that will bring his cubs scrambling. For this is not a roar of wrath, but a roar announcing that all is clear. Mercy has won. All can come home. I suppose we humans shall never be able to give up idolatry, our childlike insistence that we must do it all ourselves, no matter how much that means we screw up, harming ourselves, harming others. And then we can only give thanks that the nature of our God is mercy, a mercy that costs our God A mercy that makes room for us and our weakness. A mercy that breaks the heart of God. A mercy that empties itself out and shows itself for all time on the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.